Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. And my co-host is my friend Shan. Hello. And today we are discussing the final chapter of Mansfield Park, chapter 48. There is no speech, nothing technically happens, we're just told a lot of things and everything wraps up really tidily. Mrs Norris is kicked out of Mansfield Park and sent into... Uh, what's the word? Not quite oblivion. <laughs> Perjury? Exiled. Exiled. She but is voluntary, though. She is voluntarily exiled with Mariah. Uh, Julia and Mr. Yates have a better relationship than expected. Sir Thomas realises he's made some mistakes. Tom becomes a better person. Fanny and Edmund get married and it's very happy. Mary goes to live with her sister and has a long time before she marries. Susan stays at Mansfield Park and replaces Fanny. A lot happens, though. This is all pretty much in the authorial voice. She says, my Fanny. She says, I, a bunch of times. I think she has quite a bit of affection for Fanny, referring to her as my Fanny. She must do, I think. She says that Fanny must have been a happy creature in spite of all that she had felt or thought she felt. She was returned to Mansfield Park. She was useful. She was beloved. She was safe from Mr. Crawford. I love that line. She's also very happy because Edmund was no longer the dupe of Miss Crawford. And she's back in Sir Thomas's good books. He has perfect approbation and increased regard. This is even before he starts to see her as a daughter. Because it gets even better when she and Edmund get engaged. He thinks of getting Fanny as a daughter as a great acquisition. Mm. Fanny was indeed the daughter that he wanted. So she finally finds her real home. Jane Austen is sympathetic. She refers to poor Sir Thomas. She's aware how hard everything was on him, but says that time will do almost everything. I'm surprised. Another quote that is not quoted more. He acknowledges his failings. He grows himself. Tom also grows. Mm. He gets better without regaining the thoughtlessness and selfishness. He was better forever for his illness, and he is aware that the unjustifiable theatre is part of the reason that this happened. Yes. He became what he ought to be, useful to his father, steady and quiet, and not living merely for himself. He grew up. Because that was a big deal for him, wasn't it? He was mostly living for himself and not considering other people. Yeah. He was a 26-year-old with no responsibilities. Sir Thomas realises one of his faults was allowing the excessive indulgence and flattery of Mrs Norris, which was continually contrasted with his own severity. He had an anxious and expensive education for his daughters. They had been instructed theoretically in religion, but never required to bring it into daily practice. He realises he's tried, but he missed out some of the essential things. For whatever reason, he allowed Mrs Norris to hold sway. Mrs Norris had been regularly losing ground in his esteem. Yes. He thinks that either time had done her a disservice or he had considerably overrated her sense and somehow born with her manners before. She feels like a part of him, like she's the bad side of him and he's going to be stuck with her forever. But luckily that's not what happens. No. 
she voluntarily leaves to be with Mrs. Rushworth. And their tempers became their mutual punishment. Mariah had destroyed her own character. And Sir Thomas will not attempt to restore it because it can't be restored. Mariah leaves Mr. Crawford with no better consolation and leaving him that she had divided him from Fanny. Mr. Rushworth also gets a mention. He was aware that Mariah despised him and loved another, but he still married her. Would it have been hard for him to have pulled out, though? He did push for the marriage, but yes, the woman needs to bow out of the marriage. And she did have the choice, and Sir Thomas did try to persuade her otherwise. Julia is mentioned as well. The reason that she left to go and stay with the cousins was because Mr Crawford was coming around too much. She wanted to secure herself from being again too much attracted, which makes me wonder if he was flirting with her again as well as Mariah. Mm. And also maybe more aware of not wanting to be the, the chaperone or the decoy. Because if she'd been there, she could have been perceived as that Mrs Rushworth was being her chaperone while he was there, whereas in fact it was the other way, the around. Other way around. Two contrasts there with the younger sister showing much more maturity and it was only panicking that she went off with Yates. It refers to her selfish alarm because she is worried about the greater severity and restraint that she would have at home after Mariah's behaviour. Mm. Like Kitty Bennett, mm. Lydia's misbehaved, therefore we're going to lock down Kitty. It's quite sad to read about Henry, and he has seduced us this reading. We should not like him as much as we do. He was ruined by early independence and bad domestic example. He had every probability of success and felicity if he had continued pursuing Fanny. There was no doubt that he would have obtained her after Edward and Mary married. She would voluntarily have bestowed her hand on him. But apparently he's a teenage boy who can't control himself. Immediate pleasure was too strong for a mind unused to make any sacrifice to right. He exerted himself to subdue so proud a display of resentment that Mrs. Rushworth exhibits when she sees him. She's still pissed at him, but he wants her to be in love with him again, to treat him the way she did before. Despite him if he's still... he's only gone up back to his estate as he had intended to, because at that point he just did not have the strength to resist the temptation... And the temptation twofold, it was to reanimate that passion in Mrs. Rushworth. He obviously didn't like to be on my bad side with people. And probably quite a lot of his flirt, you know, they'd moved on, but they were still friends. It takes a lot of skill to reject someone, but still have them be interested in you. But his behaviour was without the smallest inconstancy of mind towards Fanny. He lost the woman who he had rationally as well as passionately loved. But Jane Austen makes a really good point here. The penalty is less equal than could be wished. Oh, yes. Mariah has to go and hide away from society. Henry Crawford can still walk through society. And at some point, he'll get married again. He will, but he'll not be as accepted. Because he ran away with the married woman and he didn't marry her. I think people will always be quite careful with their wives around him. Yes. Because it's okay to have an affair with a married woman, but you don't run off with them. No. 
That's quite a different thing. And you do it subtly. Yes. Mary seems to have really loved Edmund because it takes her a while to put him sufficiently out of her head to meet someone. But Edmund did not have to wait long for an object worthy to succeed her. Because Fanny's right there! And she always has been. Jane Austen slips into eyes again. I purposely abstain from dates. I only entreat everybody to believe that exactly at the time when it was quite natural that it should be so, and not a week earlier, Edmund did cease to care about Miss Crawford and become as anxious to marry Fanny as Fanny herself could desire. I feel like Jane Austen really wanted to make that statement herself. Yeah. Here is my Fanny, and everything's going exactly how she wants. Oh, maybe not exactly, because she would have preferred Edmund not run off with, almost run off with Mary. But Jane Austen also points out that it's a little bit of a rebound. His feelings exactly in that favourable state which a recent disappointment gives. That sounds like what we would call a rebound. Yes, an openness. But I do know two couples that, or two women that married people that had been a rebound and they've been together for more than 10 years. Mm. It's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes it's that willingness to hear, to listen, actually opens you up to the good qualities in this person that you're talking with, that this person can be a friend before a partner. And I think that's one of the reasons that their relationship is so successful, because they were friends first. Yes. Even in the midst of his late infatuation, he had acknowledged Fanny's mental superiority. She was, of course, only too good for him. But as nobody minds having what is too good for them, (laughs) he pursues marriage with her. Their home life works because they were both formed for a domestic life and attached to country pleasures. Their home was a home of affection and comfort. They do have a lot of the same values, which helps them form a better partnership and therefore form a better home together. Ironically, I can see Henry and Fanny forming a better relationship than Mary and Edmund because I think Mary's such a strong character, but so is Edmund in a quiet way. And Edmund doesn't like the bright lights of London, and she does. And that, I think, could have always caused some friction. I mean, Fanny's not like a loud character, but she had a lot of influence over Mr Crawford. He had started to change who he was because of her. But Edmund and Mary hadn't started to really influence each other, apart from her going, I'm never going to marry a second son, I'm going to be really careful, and I'm going to wait for someone that I actually give a damn about. Jane Austen harks back to Sir Thomas's early opinion of Fanny that he should not be raising a wife for his sons and <laughs> refers to the neighbour's entertainment, which reminds me of Mr. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. For what do we live for but to make... Fun of our neighbours or... Make... Something for our neighbours and yes. laugh at them in our turn? Susan has a happy ending also which is lovely she's kind of a background character but you can see where she slots in she has a readiness of mind and an inclination for usefulness fanny had a sweetness of temper and strong feelings of gratitude both of these things make them work in their role 
but she has a quickness of understanding which makes her useful to all and she ends up becoming the most beloved of the two. And in a way, I think she is covering both Fanny's role and Mrs. Norris's role that's now absent. Yes, because when Fanny came on board with Mrs. Norris around, she was really quite subjugated and and put down, so didn't have that opportunity to blossom, whereas Susan's not had this. Susan's already been quite a forthright character, you know, not afraid of expressing herself at home, had a lot of responsibility at home. So she's now moved into the Bertrams, and she'll be, I can imagine, she'll be really not pushing Lady Bertram, but actually encouraging her, you know, quite positive personality to encourage Lady Bertram to be a bit more active, potentially. Like Fanny wants to be useful. She wouldn't be rude to the servant. She would recognise their value. Quite a different personality. I think she fills a hole that these two people leaving Mm. have created. Mm. And it just seems to work out really well. There's every appearance of her being there permanently like Fanny was. Next week we're going to attempt to do a summary talk of Mansfield Park, then we might look at films. We'll see what we do next. And that is our summary of chapter 48 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!